Welcome to the Trip Anthropologist podcast, where together we travel thoughtfully around the world. Hear fun and fascinating conversations featuring locals and experts about the history and culture of your next travel destination. Be inspired and amazed at some of the world's most intriguing and iconic locations. So, pack your curiosity, fasten your seatbelt, and get ready as we take off for this week's adventure with your host, award-winning anthropologist, Monique Skidmore. Hello, travellers, and welcome to the Trip Anthropologist podcast. Each week, we're taking off on a trip to some of the most exciting or unusual destinations in the world. I can promise you that I'm just as curious as you are. So together, we'll explore the history and culture of the world, one trip at a time. Today, we're off to commune with the ancient Oracle of Delphi, a figure that we all heard about as children. But really, we didn't learn a lot about it, and we'd learn even less about the ancient Greek city of Delphi. I'll be talking with Penny Kolomvotsu, a child of Delphi, who is now an expert tour guide to the history and culture of the ancient city. We'll talk about the oracle, but what you hear might surprise you. Delphi was once called Pitho, and it was considered to be the centre of the world. It's an exciting place to visit. Like many of the sites of ancient cities, it has a beautiful location. It's nestled on the slope of Mount Parnassus, and it looks out at mountain ranges and down upon the Pleistos Valley. And like many of the largest ancient Greek sites, this UNESCO World Heritage Site consists of an archaeological zone next to a small city. In addition to being the home of the Oracle, the archaeological zone has a magnificent Temple of Apollo. Delphi is unlike all of the other major ancient Greek sanctuaries because of the volume of expensive goods that were brought to the site and later uncovered by archaeologists. Delphi was found to have been settled from the late 9th century BCE. Delphi was the site of the Pythian Games. There were once four Pan-Hellenic Games that later became the Olympic Games. In addition to the Pythian Games, each summer there was a large festival called the Theoxenia. It was a feast and celebration that drew representatives from around the Hellenic world. So as you can see, there was more going on at Delphi than simply an oracle on a mountain in central Greece. So let's go visit Delphi now and take a tour with Penny Kolombotsu and find out why Delphi was one of the most important sites in all of ancient Greece. Penny, I'm so delighted to have you here today. I know that you grew up in Delphi, and unlike most people, you actually got to be Indiana Jones as a child. So what did you do in Delphi as a child? Yes, you are right. My greatest hero was Indiana Jones, but there is a reason. There's always a reason, Monique. <laughs> My ancestors originated from the little village that was built on top of the ruins. When I was very little... My aunt, uh, older people, they used to tell me their stories. So what would you do? You'd go down to the basement. You would try find anything that would have made any connections with the stories told. And this was the most fascinating thing that made me so interested in these stories of Indiana Jones. Getting to find all this stuff, all these artifacts that would have made the connections was like getting to know the story of the people, the place you grew up. So it was fascinating. Then when you became a big girl, you studied museum studies, and now you show people about the history and heritage of Delphi. Yeah, because I do believe that there is so much to discuss with people. 
I'm always grateful that they are interested and that they do give me the opportunity to show them my home. You discuss history, you discuss nature, you discuss people, you discuss beautiful issues. And it's fascinating. It's so rewarding. Well, I'd love to get stuck into a bit of mythology of Delphi now, and I know that you're the right person to ask. So can you tell me, what is this about eagles, Zeus, Omphalus, eternal flames? What was going on? In ancient times, the Greeks believed that the oracle of Delphi was the center of their Greek world. Of course, they had to justify that with Zeus. And this is when they said that Zeus left the eagles fly from the opposite ends. And that's where they met, right above Delphi. Immediately, Zeus threw the stone from the sky, the Omphalo stone, to mark the exact location where the eagles met. And I think that was a wise thing to do because considering how much hate there was and how much they were fighting each other, the Oracle of Delphi gave them the opportunity to come together, make it a common ground, and maybe then behave. And you told me, I think, that whilst there was an eternal flame everywhere, the initial eternal flame came from Delphi. Yeah, correct. So if other cities, their flames went out, I guess they had to get over to Delphi. That is correct, Monique. It's the centre. It's the most sacred site in Greece. Eternal flame was burning inside the temple of Apollo. And that's the eternal flame burning in any other temple, I guess. And I don't think a lot of people understand that there was a temple of Apollo at Delphi. What people really know, of course, is that there was an oracle. So can you tell me, please, what was the oracle of Delphi? The oracle of Delphi is Apollo's home. What makes it even more interesting is that even before Apollo's time, same place was the oracle of Mother Earth. It's important to remember that Earth was here first, and that is because immediately you make the connection with the serpent python that gave the name to the priestesses communicating with Apollo's spirit, or later on with the Pythian games. So the oracle of Mother Earth, and then guarded by the serpent, and then Apollo, god of harmony, came to the Delphi, killed the serpent, and that's when he took over. And this is what was a female prophetess communicating with Apollo, always inside the temple and underneath, close to the origins, close to Gaia. So there we get layers of mythology and periods of history from a Mother Earth to serpents or Pythians, if you like, being slain, and then to Pythian priestesses relaying the words of Apollo to the population. Do I have that right? Yes, another name for Apollo was Pythios Apollo, so the one who killed the serpent. And it's very, very interesting because most probably what it means, it is the rotten serpent trying to explain the vapors coming out from the ground. Uh, Fascinating how much we can do with our imagination. (laughs) And it is true that many of the earlier reports about why people may have spoken in sort of speaking in tongues or a sacred sort of language was attributed to the vapors that came out of the mountain there. Most probably, yes. This is what they told us. This is what they said started it all. Mm. It was the vapors, natural phenomena. (laughs) But... This is what we think we can scientifically prove right now. And why not? People close to nature had always been inspired from nature. Now, how you explain it, that's a different discussion. And maybe that's the reason why then came Apollo, because 
We need much more than the bay course. <laughs> and in fact, I think we'd actually needed more than just an oracle as well because Delphi, even right now, it's a little bit off the tourist trail in Greece, but thousands of people come every year. But way back then, lots of people still came to Greece. They came from not just Greece and the great city-states, but kings and emperors came from neighbouring countries to consult the oracle before any major decision. So one reading of that, of course, is that people wanted to be given guidance from Apollo. But as you said, there are other reasons why everyone wants to come to Delphi. So can you tell me why Delphi became the centre of the political world during this period of the rise of the Greek city-states? When I hear you saying it is a political centre, then immediately it makes me aware of the responsibilities humans bear towards themselves. And why am I telling you this? Because that's exactly why Apollo in Delphi was called Loxias. And that meant the one who never gave humans direct answers. My ancestors, our Greek ancestors, used to be very impulsive and very unconventional. So of course they needed Apollo, they needed him for right directions. But at the same time, an open-ended answer would have created space for them to discuss issues further. So no city-state would have gone back home and tell people that Apollo's will. No, there's always space for some different interpretation, and that's exactly what makes it a political center. Create dialogue. I learned so much when we were talking about this the other day because I hadn't really understood that if an oracle told the Spartans to go and create war and then the oracle told a different group to go and create war, there wouldn't have been much of Greece left. But Delphi became this great meeting place of people who are all sitting around discussing the ambiguities of the advice they've been given by the oracle. And I hadn't quite understood really the importance of creating this place for dialogue and communication amongst city-states when there wasn't any sort of overarching government to stop war. Yeah, you've placed it very, very well. For another reason, because immediately you understand that the ancient Greek religion was created by poets like Homer, like Hesiod. So I'd also add to what you said, creative ambiguity. That's how I would rephrase it. It's beautiful. It is nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. And creative. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing again. That's exactly what you see when you come to Delphi, because you see lots of buildings, you see lots of statues. And then it was also run by a league. They called it the Amphictyonic League. There used to be representatives coming from 12 neighbor city-states having the army to protect the interests of the Oracle of Delphi. So these are amazing issues for us to get inspired from. I guess, too, that when you see the architecture of Delphi, you can kind of understand then the importance of this site, why there are so many different kinds of buildings to create so many different forms of communication between different city-states. I guess, too, though, that there were lots of other things that were going on, weren't there, that this was a place for games, festivals, rituals. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That is correct. I mean, when people come, they do not expect to see a stadium here in Delphi, as impressive as it is. But that's exactly the point, knowing in advance that we are all a puzzle and we're all different and that we can probably resolve our differences in a peaceful way. That's another reason why it was here in Delphi that they came up with the idea of organizing games. 
So they had the athletical competitions in Olympia, but this was because of the Oracle of Delphi having advised them to organize them there. And in Delphi, we had musical, poetical competitions, and that was for Apollo. Later on, they had athletical competitions like in Olympia. So that's the reason why we've got a theater. These are the Pythian Games. The Pythian Games in memory of Apollo having killed the serpent, taking us back to the very origins of the ancient side. People meeting, not killing each other, but making the best out of themselves in an artistic way as well. And it just breaks my heart to know that, as with all the sites of ancient Greece, this wonderful flowering of dialogue and of creative communication was destroyed. So what happened to Delphi and when did it stop being an important site? The simple answer is that in the 4th century AD, the Emperor Theodosius, he decided not to leave space for no other older religion but Christianity. There was no space left for the ancient religions, no good understanding anymore. The games had no place in what was happening back then. So this is the simple answer to the question, what made it decline? It is a different religion, different people, different needs. But on the other hand, we should also remember that we are discussing also natural catastrophe, earthquakes, and maybe even the vapors must have been too weak to cause any hallucinations or any of that enthusiasm, enthusiastic state of mind of the prophetess to communicate with Apollo. You've told me that tourists who come to Delphi now, they seek to try and understand Delphi by trying to find a parallel with it. You know, as you said, it was a long time ago and the passage of history has changed the site, but I think it's hard to find another place like Delphi And I think that's because maybe it existed just at that moment when the Greek city-states needed to be able to come together in trade and commerce and intermarriage and all of those other things that anthropologists talk about without killing each other. What do you think? Do you think there's a parallel with Delphi? In uh, modern times, I don't think I can find any parallel to Mm -hmm. Delphi Mm -hmm. because these are practical issues to discuss, but at the same time, very, very spiritual So I think that Delphi is in everybody's heart, really. It's always about the desire to know the future. But at the same time, we have to appreciate what we learned from Delphi. Know thyself, don't go to the extremes. All these beautiful sayings, that is not philosophy. It is how to live your life well, how to make the good decisions. Well, that's a pretty powerful thing to take away from an ancient site, isn't it? Yes. There are a lot of remaining impressive monuments at Delphi, many more than at many of the great sites in ancient Greece. What should visitors see when they come to Delphi? Of course, it is the whole setting that is very inspiring and very dramatic because you see how they didn't try to change the natural landscape, but they adjusted. They adjusted to what they had, and that's what makes it so fascinating. So you get to see the temple you get to see the theater, you see the stadium, you see the lower side where Athena was worshipped and the rotunda building, the gymnasium, you see the treasury of the Athenians, fountain where they purified themselves, where we always drink water before entering the site. Can you tell me what do you think Delphi means, if anything, to contemporary Greeks today? Delphi makes us very proud. Yeah, our ancient history is our pride. 
And that's exactly what makes us strong, very strong. It's our history, it's the language, it's the roots that we have. It's our common understanding. It's like the stories of Hercules, demigod. Delphi to the Greeks means something that they, it is the base for them to build on more things. But as I said, it is very, very heavy on our shoulders because that makes us very responsible to claim that, yes, this is our heritage and we have to preserve it and make it better if we can. Yeah, and not many countries are lucky enough for its citizens to have that weight of heritage and of such significant precursors to major aspects of Western civilization. When people listen to the podcast and they think that they're going to put Delphi on their uh, list of the great sites they're going to see when they're next in Greece, what's your one piece of advice you can give travellers to Delphi? Of course, Monique, you've been to Greece before. Indeed. And of course, you know, tell a Greek, you tell us one good advice, give us one good advice, and there start, and we start with two or three and ten. <laughs> anyway, I'll try and make it short. But time spent in Delphi is precious. Yeah. So I'd say spend more than a day, mm-hmm. walk up and down the ancient trails, Mix with the locals, drink and eat with them. Start a conversation with them. Let them tell you their Indiana Jones stories. (laughs) Listening to people trying to speak Greek and allow yourself time to enjoy the light. Breathe in, breathe out. And then you do realize here in Delphi how lucky we are to be alive. (laughs) You are lucky to be a Delphinian, Penny, and we are lucky to have had you here today. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Monique, and hope I see all of you in Delphi someday. I hope we see you soon. Thank you very much. Bye, Penny. Bye-bye. Thank you. So that's what really happened at Delphi and why oracles speak, if not with forked tongues, at least with a high degree of ambiguity. I'd like to thank the wonderful tour guide, Penny Kolomvotsu, for sharing with us her understanding of this site that she's lived with all her life. You can read everything you need to know about visiting the ancient sanctuary of Delphi from the website tripanthropologist.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Trip Anthropologist podcast. I'm looking forward to our next adventure together when we'll travel thoughtfully. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Trip Anthropologist. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast series so that you don't miss any further episodes. And please take a moment to leave a review of the podcast in the App Store. Begin planning your next trip now at tripanthropologist.com. And until next time, travel thoughtfully.